love, but he hates. Proverbs 6, verse 16 through 19. Who can get that in a moment? Someone could, Casey won't want to get that for us. I was thinking as I was putting this together yesterday morning that there are lots of things that I hate, or at least that irritate me, and uh, that bug me. But how many know the things that I hate and the things that bug me don't affect you? That the things that I that drive me crazy can be inconsequential to your life. I hate brain-dead left-lane drivers, as you well know. You may be one of them, but that doesn't really affect your life, frustrating me. I have a hard time with women in authority. Nothing worse than being stopped by a woman police officer. You can immediately feel on them that they can feel what you're thinking. And so they become hostile. Military DIs, women DIs, that bothers me. Women school principals in school. This is one of those things that bug me. A man ought to be a principal. Women teachers are great, but principals, those things bug me. But again, those don't affect you necessarily. I really can't stand baby-on-board placards on vans or cars. It's like, what does that mean? Is, am I supposed to drive differently because you have a baby on board? Those things bug me. Uh, calling a company and having electronic uh, operators come on and say, if you want to talk to so-and-so, press 4, press 3, press 2. And before you finally get to somebody, you forgot what you wanted to ask them. Those things bug me. They really, I hate that. I hate most KYCA homemade commercials. <laughs> Drive me to total distraction. Gary Riley is, a, is an exception. There's a man that has a brain. And have you ever heard his commercial on his new company? That was a refreshing commercial on KYCA. But there's very few in between. I really can't stand dreadlocks and sauerkraut. So what I hate, as I'm trying to bring a point here, is what I hate really doesn't affect you. Doesn't change the course of your life. You have things that you hate that don't affect my life. But when God says, I hate that, that warrants yours and my undivided attention. When God makes the point in the Word of God to point His finger at and to record for you and I certain things that He says, I, I hate that, that affects you and I. How we address it, what we do with it, how we allow it to fit into our lives, how we allow it to change the course of our lives is very critical that we give, we give ear to that this morning. And so I want to take a stab at one other area that is in the text in Proverbs chapter 6. Feet that be swift and running to mischief. And we want to take a look at that this morning. Casey, would you read that? Proverbs 6, verse 16 through 19. Okay. Let me ask you first of all a question as we begin to try to point in a direction why do most Americans hate the desecrating of the U.S. flag? 
What is it when you see somebody desecrate the United States flag of America? You see them use it as a rug. You see them use that in some form of an art project. And you see them in various, uh, various stages of desecration with a flag. What is it that raises your ire? What is it this morning that causes you? Why is it? Yeah, let me open that up, sister. Okay, we, the flag is a symbol of honor. It's something that represents and, and designates that this is our country. Okay, sister. Okay, everything we've ever stood for, uh, everything that, uh, that, our, that our history represents, everything, the great history of America, that that is just somehow throwing and, and, and slapping in the face, brother. Okay. Uh, price paid, he said, blood. Okay, many lives that were lost for the right to hang that flag. Uh, sister? Okay. So you can see it raises the emotions of most Americans. If it does not, then uh, that, uh, in, uh, that causes great questions in my mind about that individual that can support it and that can participate in the desecration of the flag uh, because of the fact, as we've heard, uh, it, is, it is the honor of the flag. It is a representation of a great nation. It is a representation of freedom. It is a representation and the reminder of precious blood that was shed, that was spilt for that flag and the right to be free. And so with that thought in mind, let me ask another question. And first of all, I want to get some scriptures, and I want you to hold your finger there for a moment, and I need some help here. I want Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. Uh, over here, Joel could get that. I want uh, Genesis chapter uh, uh, 6 and verse 5. Who can get that? Genesis 6 and uh, verse uh, 5. Okay, brother. Uh, I want uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 11 and 12. Okay, our sister here. And, uh, and uh, Dennis, could you get for me Psalms 34, verse 16? And, uh, and uh, Pete, you'll get Psalms 37 and verse 9. So I ask that question for a reason as a lead-in. Why does God hate feet that are swift in running to mischief or to evil? As our brother Casey read that scripture, the New King James, I'm assuming he's reading from, uh, uses the word evil. The King James uses the word mischief. And we want to take a look here at, at, uh, at this text because it's an indication of a life still under the influence of the wicked one. This is why God hates so much feet that are swift to running to evil. He hates this. When any man or any woman would look at the choices of life, would look at the direction of their lives, and would settle it in their hearts to run swiftly towards that. And when it is running towards something that is evil, towards something that is wicked, this is something that God hates. In the Word of God... We have the word mischief, we have the word evil, and we have the word wicked. And all of these words are synonymous in the Word of God. They're the same word. 
You do a word study on mischief. You do the word study on evil. You do a word study on wicked. And you'll find that it is the same word in the Hebrew. It is the word ra, R-A-H. These words are interconnected. They are interwoven. They are interlinked. And any time that you will find the word mischief, any time you'll find the word evil, find the word wicked, in the Word of God, they always do mean and have the same meaning. And so I want, uh, first of all, our brother to read, uh, or whoever I gave, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12 to read that for us. Spiritual hosts of wickedness. Here's a very interesting scripture. It says, this is what we're wrestling against. And the word here, feet that are swift, running towards evil, is the same word here of running towards a certain force or running towards a certain, a certain influence. That this demonic influence is behind the activities of lives that are running in a direction. Genesis 6 and verse 5. Oh, I'm sorry. I pointed to you, brother. Genesis 6 and verse 5. Every intent of his heart was only evil continually. And so here it is again. Here's, the, here's an influence. Here is a source or a force of influence that is causing lives to be led in a direction. It's the same word. And First uh, John chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. Okay, here's another picture, the same word wicked here, the same interwoven word that is in our text here, that God uh, hates this. He judged Cain because of the very thing that his feet were swift in running to mischief. His feet were swift in running to evil. His feet were swift in running in a direction that was a demonic influence. His life was being governed by a force other than God. And this is something this morning, friend, that God very much hates. And so as we look at our text in Proverbs, the author of our text was penning from divine inspiration the emotions of God. That here he is, as he's writing here, this is the heart of God. He is from divine inspiration, writing for you and I what things there are. As Pastor Mitchell has, has uh, dealt with some of these areas, we'll continue next week. That these are certain things and certain uh, 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 practices and directions of lives that God very much hates. In our text here, this author is is uh, uh, is is writing here of the emotion of God that God would have to send His Son to die for a people out of control. That as these are written, these are the very things that He had to send His Son to die for. The very direction of lives that were out of control, the very direction of lives that were swift and running to evil, swift and running to mischief, swift and running to wickedness, uh, looking at unclean things and saying, I want that. That their very first uh, 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 um, desires and their, uh, their very first uh, instinct is to run to something that is wicked, run to something that is evil. God says, I hate that. The reason I hate that is because that is one of the things that caused me to have to sacrifice my only son. My only son. The only son I ever had, I ever will have. My son is going to die. I know I'm going to have to send him. He was slain from the foundations of the world. And he's going to go and he's going to be hung on a cross. 
Because of lives that are out of control. Because of lives that are going in a certain demonic influence. Driven by a demonic seduction. Driven by demonic desires that are destroying mankind, that are destroying lives. And God says, I hate that because that is one of the areas in which my son... See, God hates this morning lives out of control. Can you say amen? God hates it, friend. God hates lives that are out of control. Psalms chapter 34 and verse 16. I would like whoever I gave that. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil. God hates this morning mischief. He hates wickedness. Psalms 37 and verse 9. This morning, this wickedness describes the life of a sinner, doesn't it? We understand that. Sinners, by very nature, their feet are always swift to run to mischief. You look back at your own life and you know this is true. You look back at your life and you can pinpoint areas of your life in which you are absolutely at a drop of a hat. Swift. To go in an area that was ungodly. Spontaneous stupidity. How many remember spontaneous acts of stupidity? That all of a sudden, you know, it didn't matter. I going to going to parties and and uh, and uh, having what they call trash can parties. Trash can party simply meant this: everybody brought a bottle of something and just poured it into the trash can. Anything. It didn't matter what it was. It was alcoholic. Didn't matter if it was tequila. It didn't matter if it was rum. It didn't matter if it was gin. It didn't matter what it was. Vodka. They would just throw all this together and just start bobbing for apples, basically. That's a spontaneous act of stupidity, isn't it? And we're not proud of that. I'm not, I'm not in any way elevating that to some... Uh, to, you know, that was stupid. I remember those times. That was pure stupidity. And so it was the stupidity. It was, it was a spur of the moment. Things that we do that are so very sinful, that drive lives in, in such a wicked direction, that our God says, I hate that. For my son has to die for that. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9 through 11. Who could get that for me this morning? I want someone could help me back here. Help! Help! David will get that. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9 through 11. I have a number of other scriptures here that I want to look at. Psalms chapter 1, verse 1 through 6. Who could get that? Okay, Mike will get that. Uh, another hand I saw right here. Who was that? Okay. Uh, Peter again. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 29. Uh, who can get in the middle here, over here? Okay. Uh, Mick will get for me Isaiah 59 and verse 7. Uh, I want uh, uh, Proverbs chapter 1 uh, right here. Okay. Phil will get that. Proverbs 1, verse 10 and 11. And then I want, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Proverbs 1, 10, 10, 11 and verse 16. 10, 11 and verse 16. And Jeremiah 2 and verse 25. Who could get that for me? Maybe right here. Okay, Mac will get that for me. See, this describes the life of a sinner. Thank God this morning for Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Thank God this morning 
that God has come, that He did send His Son. Yes, He hates. He hates these areas that we're talking about. But thank God we got some hope this morning. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9 through 11. Amen. I love that scripture there, but such were some of you. Amen. Thank God. I always, I always like to ponder that scripture when if you ever start to think, you know, that you're important. It's always good to read that and say, yes, but oh, but, the, oh, but for the grace of God. See, because that scripture there that David read is illustrating and describing for us spontaneous acts of stupidity. Right? Spontaneous acts of wickedness, of evil, that damn many souls, that ruin many homes, that destroy marriages and destroy economies and destroy a people wholesale. And such were some of you, but you were washed. Thank God this morning you were washed. I thank God that I was washed this morning. We've heard it said so many times when people say, ah, you know what, you're just brainwashed. Oh, friend, yes, I, my, my brain, it needed washing. And everywhere else needed a big time, big time Holy Ghost bath. I was a mess. You were a mess. And this morning, these are the very things that God looks upon and He sees the destruction of lives. But He sent His Son. But you were washed. And so with that thought in mind, as we're talking here about this text being written and penned before Jesus Christ died on the cross, he's writing here and talking about the influence that sin has over people. It causes people to run swiftly in a direction of uncleanness and all forms of unrighteousness. So what must God feel after giving his son to die, and then after that, Christian feet are swift and running to mischief. See, God hates this morning feet that are swift and running to mischief. He hated us so much, he sent his son. And such were some of you, but you were washed, thank God. And so how much more do you suppose that this would begin to move God that after He gave His Son, after we were washed, we then revert back and once again make a mockery of the gospel, make a mockery of the cross, make a mockery of what God did by sending His Son, by once again being swift again to run into the areas of mischief. I want to hear this at this time now, Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. Okay, a key scripture there says, His delight is in the law of the Lord. You see, what happens is when you begin, you and I begin to grow cold in this area right here, that we no longer delight in the law of the Lord, what happens is we begin to get happy feet. Feet begin to move in other directions. They begin to ponder other areas of our lives. And unfortunately, the areas that we begin to look usually are back. 
They're usually backwards. They're usually back at a life in which God so wonderfully restored us out of. And the Bible there gives us the warning that don't even look at that. Don't even stand near that. Don't sit near that because it, it's a progressiveness, isn't it? You first you look, you ponder, you look, you stand, you stop, you sit, you begin to give heed. And before long, it brings a destruction of a life. The key this morning is that you and I would contend, even in our older days in the Lord, could continue to contend for the purpose of God for our lives and never allow that to grow old. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 29. God has made man upright, but they have sought out many inventions. Another translation, they have sought out many schemes. That God has made the way for us to live upright, hasn't He? He has made a way, thank God, such were some of you. He's made a way, we've been, we've been washed, amen, thank God. We've been bought with a price. And yet, there still comes in these times when we, are, we, don't, we don't guard our hearts. That we begin to, again, seek out other schemes. Isaiah 59 and verse 7. Okay, Proverbs chapter 1, verses 10, 11, and 16. Okay, Jeremiah 2, verse 25. Okay, that's a very interesting text I want to read in the uh, Living Bible. It, uh, it really does uh, bring out the, the essence of the, of the text, Jeremiah 2, 25. It says, Why don't you turn from all this weary running after other gods? But you say, don't waste your breath. I've fallen in love with these strangers and I can't stop loving them now. Don't waste your breath. I have fallen in love with these strangers and I cannot stop loving them now. This here is a, as a pastor, as a, you counsel people, you know uh, many times the lives of people in your congregation. Many times you'll see the hand of God on people's lives. Yet there's something that is there. There's something that they will not surrender to God. There's something that they will not repent of. There's something that they will not lay aside. They've fallen in love with these strangers and they cannot stop loving them now. And oftentimes their lives just continue on this, uh, uh, it's, it's this cyclical path in which, uh, you know, they, they update their convert card, they update their convert card, they come in, they weep at the altar, they say, from this day on, I'm going to do right. But the trouble is, they never settle in their heart, I am going to delight myself in the Lord. I am going to make God the primary issue and factor of my life. And when you do not do that, you once again... Begin to look back, begin to ponder once again the seed of the scornful, and you begin to ponder all of these things of sin and iniquity, and once again you find yourself back in that same sin. You see, swift feet caught up in the passion of the moment never consider who might be watching. Throughout the Bible, we'll find these words, He did evil in the sight of the Lord. 
You ever think about that sometimes, that when we do evil, it's always in the sight of the Lord? You ever you realize that? Whenever you do evil, whenever your feet are swift to run to mischief, it is always in the sight of the Lord. Very interesting that you know, we're ready to do something that we know, we know that we know that we know this is not the will of God. We always look this way and that way, and that way and that way. We never think to look that way. I've seen people, you know, uh, little kids, and you always, get, you always know they're up to something because you always are going. You never once see them go. We're no different. Yet, isn't that really the direction we ought to be thinking every time? Tell the Lord. You'll find that. To, uh, read sometimes the book of Judges. Read sometimes uh, First King. You'll find it primarily in those two books. I mean, it's everywhere. It's, it's time and time and time again that he did or they did evil in the sight of the Lord. But the trouble is, is that when we want to do something, we never consider who it is that may be watching. I want to open up right here, if we could, and just ask this morning in your own perspective, what are some examples of Christian feet swift and running to mischief? Let's open that up at this point, get some feedback right here. What could be some examples? I don't want you to state real, real, real scenarios, and I know her and I know him, but uh, what are some possibilities this morning of Christian feet running to mischief? What are some possibilities this morning? In that area. Uh, Woody? Okay. Gossip? I, no one, I know none of us here do that. But it's a good thought. Because usually it's always under the guise of, of sincerity. You know, brother, I, I want to I help you. And so, uh, and then we say, well, don't tell anybody else. <laughs> the insanity of thinking that whoever just told you said the same thing to you. He said, now don't tell anybody else. And then you turn here and say, now don't tell anybody else. And somehow in your mind, you just violated him and you don't think he's going to violate you? And it just keeps on going and keeps on going. Christian feet swiftly running to mischief. Swiftly running to evil, which, I mean, the, the wicked thing of gossip, as you well know, is it destroys lives, doesn't it? Destroys lives when it gets heard through. Because, because my sin is different than yours? Okay. <laughs> my sin's not as bad as your sin. But I will, I will add to that vanity. It's a, this is not... Uh, women don't corner the market on vanity. Well, I don't either. <laughs> but... Uh, you know how you cure a dog from running after the... Yeah, he doesn't think. It's impulsiveness. It's an impulsive act without considering who's watching. That's the whole feet swift. It means literally that this is, this is the most uh, spur of the moment. But I want it. But I want to. Without ever thinking down the road, how might this play out? And there are tragedies, good folk, good folk that lives are, are in ruins or have been, uh, in that time frame, have been put on hold in their own growth with God because of the fact that they just had to have that tire. Of course, when we were growing up, the way you cured uh, 
dogs from running after your cars. You put a burlap sack, you took the hubcap off the wheel, put a burlap sack in it and hang, hang, hammered on the, the uh, hubcap and so the burlap sack would flop real slowly, drive real slowly, the dog would run and grab the burlap and then he'd gun it. Flop, 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 flop. And, uh, and, uh, so maybe we could, some kind of a, maybe there's some kind of some, some spiritual burlap we could, uh, we could devise and, uh, for the good of the saints, of course, for the good, because, because we don't want to see him killed. Amen. Uh, sister? Yes, uh, okay. Yes, on your shopping list. You've never closed the door. And, uh, uh, um, this is something I used, uh, I think, last week, maybe, uh, the tragedy of, uh, of um, I'll just space his name out, um, the evangelist, preacher, Jimmy Swagger, that he said, I always, I always had a problem with pornography. All growing up, it was something that, that I never dealt with. I never, uh, I just, uh, I, I just always thought, you know, that I could, I could overcome it just by who I am, just by my... Uh, my personality, uh, my success, and that somehow that that is going to override that issue, and I never dealt with it, and so sure enough, that was finally the lure that, uh, that drifted at a certain time and vulnerability in his life, in which finally that became the, the horrible, horrible tragedy of that, uh, of that uh, uh, good man. And that's a, that's a horrible story. Okay? Unfortunately, that's true. And... Uh, it's very interesting that the, the, the two responses that you can have to the same rebuke or the same uh, issue, whatever it may be. Classic example is the twelve disciples. It just came to mind. Is uh, is uh, 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 Peter was always, always getting himself in trouble. Peter was just just had that type of personality. He always had his foot in his mouth. That's just the way he was. And uh, and Jesus had to rebuke him. Had to say, "Get thee behind me, Satan." I mean, that's they don't get much. They don't get much sterner than that. That's a direct shot, man. That is a, that's, that's, that's a heavy shot. Had the Son of God say to you, get thee behind me. That, uh, that, that's no good. And so, uh, but yet, this man took that. But because, because why? Because he delighted in God. He delighted in God. He was the one that, uh, that uh, uh, who do men say that I am? Yeah, but who do you say that I am? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen. And the flesh and bone has not, has not revealed that to you. Right? That's something that... This is a revelation. This is something that you've come... And so you can handle it. But then we got Judas. In recorded scriptures, you'll find one time, one time that Judas is rebuked. It is the time in which uh, the woman is, has just given a very exuberant, very uh, lavish offering to Jesus and pours out the ointment. And he says, man, you know, couldn't we have taken this and sold it and given it to the poor? Jesus said, he didn't say this because he was concerned for the poor, but he said this because he was covetous. And that one thing sparked him to sell his master right down the river. His feet were swift to run to mischief. Why? Because in his heart, he had never really surrendered that you are Christ, the Son of the living God. All right, we want to shift gears now. I hope to get through it. When you don't do Sunday school for such a long time, you're not sure how much information you'll need. So we'll, uh, I want to shift gears here for a minute, though, because obviously mischief is nothing new. All right, we already talked about that. Uh, and I want to look, though, at, at, at mischief more in the way in which we understand the use of it, mischievousness. 
Proverbs 4, verse 14 through 16 says, Do not enter the path of the wicked. Do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they do not sleep unless they have done evil. And their sleep is taken away unless they... Somebody that is, that is devising a scheme in his mind. He can't even sleep at night. He is so consumed with wanting to cause trouble in somebody else's life. And so this is written, of course, a long time ago. This describes here uh, the, the direction of many lives. And so mischief this morning is nothing new. But what I find is new are the lowered ages of these hardened acts of mischief. It's very alarming in the day in which we live, the lowered ages of hardened acts of wickedness. Hardened, uh, blatant acts of mischief and evil. And I want to ask this morning, what is contributing to this? What contributes to this prepubescent vandalism? This graffiti, uh, 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 rape, homicide, gangs happening to young boys and girls involved in this at the age of 10, 9, 11? What is some of the factors to this? Okay. That's kind of the area that I want to talk about because it is undoubtedly a spirit of lawlessness that we are seeing, coupled, I believe, with foolishness that is allowed to remain bound up in a child. The Bible says that foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child and uh, the rod of correction shall drive it far from them. Of course, that is, uh, uh, that is unbelievable to make statements like that in the day in which we live. I was in Costco yesterday with my wife. And, uh, and I'm watching this unbelievable scenario at the cash register of this mother with a young boy who had trained her well. And uh, <laughs> ever, ever been around that? I mean, to tell you, it's, uh, you, you know, as we've heard the saying, that uh, many times uh, uh, it's the dog walking the man. Uh, you know, or the woman, you'll see that on the streets. You wonder who's walking who. And I can guarantee you with this one, who was leading who? And uh, who was training who? And... Uh, and, uh, and my wife uh, made a very insightful statement as we're leaving. She said, I'll bet you that this kid in school also uh, is, uh, is uh, taking medicine for ADD. And, uh, and uh, I said, yeah, probably so. Probably so. Well, the fact of the matter is, you know, everything in me wanted to say to her, can, can I have him for about a half hour? <laughs> but, you know, you can't do that. As I'm sure I'd be arrested and I'd be here this morning with you. And so... We see a spirit of lawlessness. We see this coupled with foolishness being bound up in a child. They are not being corrected. They are not being judged for what they're doing. And, of course, we have the issue of fatherlessness. Uh, also, uh, fathers and mothers who have bought into the latest methods of parenting. There are some wacko ideas out there that, uh, you know, the key to raising up good kids is, you know, my son and my daughter are my best friend. Uh, let me tell you something. You're not called to be your child's best friend. They need best friends, and it better not be mom. And it better not be dad, because best friends are lenient. I may know that. And uh, you're called uh, to be more than a best friend. Uh, you're called to judge and to be uh, many times uh, the bad guy and the bad uh, woman. That's the way it is. And so unfortunately, because of all this, all this youth 
goes undisciplined. Ecclesiastes 8 and verse 11 says, Because the sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. And so I realize that this has a much broader uh, connotation, but I, I tell you what, it can apply here. The sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, that the actions of our youth are not, uh, they're not judged at the time, uh, they're not judged consistently, if judged at all. And so because of this, the hearts of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. We have Micah chapter 2 and verse 1 says, Woe to those who devise iniquity and work out evil on their beds. At morning light, they practice it, listen to this, because it is in the power of their hand. At morning light, they practice it because it's in the power of their hand. In other words, they know that there's not going to be repercussions. They know, as, uh, as Mike said, that, that their parents are so aloof. Their parents are so disconnected. They're so far removed from what their children are doing that they have absolutely no grasp on what their children are doing. And so, you don't judge them when their feet are swift and running to mischief. And I'll tell you what, when that begins early, and when early kids, are feet are swift always to run, and I'll tell you what, kids' feet are swift to run to mischief. I mean, know that. That's just the, that's the nature of little ones. And it's our job to drive out that foolishness that is in them, that is bound up in them. It's our job as parents to see to it that... That is dealt with. And this is why uh, that we have all kinds of problems in the church that, uh, that, uh, uh, that Pastor Mitchell faxed me just before he went. He's in Holland doing conference and he faxed me just two things. Uh, he said, somewhere in your study, put these in. And so that's <laughs> all he said. And so uh, uh, along the line here, right here, why uh, things happen in the church that happen. The issue of plugged toilets and the issue of plugged urinals. Uh, that, you know, we, we go into these bathrooms and uh, we find a wad of paper towels this big jammed down the toilet, uh, jammed into the urinals. Uh, people, uh, little kids urinating on the walls, just right in the bathroom, just right around on the walls, hit everywhere but in the toilets. Now, how does this happen? You say, well, you know, this kids will be kids. No. No, that's a demon. That's, that's worse than a kid. Woe to those who devise iniquity. That's a de they, de they devise that. Work out evil on their beds. At morning light, they practice it. Sunday morning, they practice it. Because it's in the power of their hand. Well, because... Because the sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, Therefore, the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. How much time? We can escape here quickly. You are overly lenient on who they hang out with. Overly lenient on who they hang out with. The classic example, I've used it before, of E.V. Hill that uh, his daughter is upstairs uh, getting ready to go out and uh, some guy comes to the door, some young man comes to the door with flowers in his hand. He opens the door. The boy steps in. The dad pushes him back out and slams the door shut. The daughter upstairs runs down to the landing of the staircase and says, Daddy, was that for me? And Evie Hill said, No, dear, he was not for you. <laughs> that is oftentimes 
No doubt she was very upset. No doubt she went into her bedroom in a huff. But he said because of that, he guarded his daughter. He was hands-on with his family and with his children. He said because of that, his daughters ended up uh, marrying uh, very good, very righteous, very upstanding uh, uh, men that loved God because he saw to it that he was not going to be his daughter's best friend. He was going to be dad, and dad was going to lay down the hammer, and dad was going to say it like it is, okay? And so uh, uh, how many know this morning that your children are very stealth about their actions and their whereabouts? Uh, they always want to try to, uh, try to connive and, and uh, scam in areas and you've got to be on them all the time. Job chapter 20, verse 12 says, Evil is sweet in his mouth, and he hides it under his tongue. Amen. They're stealth. He hides it. They enter the path of the wicked. But by the time you find out, it's too late. How I many know what I'm talking about? God is looking for a people, as we conclude, who will settle the issue. Psalms chapter 119 and verse 115 says, Depart from me, you evildoers, for I will keep the commandments of my God. That is something that ought to be in the hearts of men and women. You depart from me, you evildoer. I'm going to keep the commandments of God. Watch, it, watch out who your children hang out with. Watch out who they spend time with. You have the right to guard it. You have the right to slam the door on it. And say, no, sorry, hon, sorry, son, he isn't for you, she isn't for you. And you have the right to do that because if not, their feet are always wanting to run swiftly on, in, in, into, uh, into, uh, uh, into acts of, of evil and wickedness and all kinds of unrighteousness. And so thank God we have that right as a parent. Praise God. Thank you for being a gracious, gracious folk this morning. We're going to start church in about five minutes. Lord bless you.